I would like to address the uh, the issue at hand. Okay, uh, right now I understand U-turns are prohibited at this intersection. Uh, they have proposed making some minor adjustments to the intersection itself to facilitate uh, the passenger vehicles and up to you know larger non-commercial vehicles to be able to make that U-turn. Uh, and uh, trucks will still be prohibited from making that U-turn. So there's really no difference in the amount of trucks that would go down Mill Pond Road other than if somehow some trucks from the site ignored the prohibitions. And in fact, there could be less vehicles now using Mill Pond because now instead of being prohibited from making that U-turn, I'm talking about passenger vehicles now, they would now be uh, both allowed and accommodated. So that could actually reduce the number of vehicles that turn into Mill Pond and make those those U-turns that uh, you know are undesirable. I, I didn't want to necessarily get stuck on this one alternative, even though it's the one that you know we feel is the uh, best option here, given the un, you know unfortunate situation. I mean, do I wish this development had better access? Absolutely. Do I wish we were further away from the bypass and could do a more traditional uh, access? Absolutely. But we're not. This is the reality of what we have. So I, I kind of feel like I should explain to you why we're not in favor uh, and or cannot support the other alternatives, including the fifth leg, if that's okay with you guys. And I don't know if we have time to go through uh, option 1A. I, I can share my screen. Um, well, 1A was access to the bypass, and I, and I yeah. can go through it very succinctly if, if you would like. Uh, well, yeah, well, the, the, the question comes in, and um, if the access was moved further north from where it's presently shown, would you have enough um, distance in order to... Um, go up safely to the Buck Road intersection. Dennis, I don't mean to cut you off, but I mean, I can explain why that's kind of a non-starter, regardless of where you put it. There is very specific criteria and uh, contained in the our design manuals uh, when it comes to limited access and breaks in limited access. This is why you don't see driveways up and down the bypass. Um, the limited access is kind of held at a different uh, level because it's designed to facilitate high-speed non-conflict movement through an area. And in order to break limited access, there's a series of criteria that have to be met. There's eight different types of criteria. And I can tell you, uh, I mean, I could go through them, obviously, but like you said, in the interest of time, this proposal for an individual driveway to serve an individual development does not meet a single one of those criteria, okay? Typically, when you're breaking limited access, you're doing it for a, a very large public road that is going to pr provide a region-wide community benefit, or you're providing, you're breaking that limited access to create like an emergency services access to the limited access facility itself, thus improving the safety of the access itself. This, and then the other part of the um, criteria contained in the publication talks about uh, it's only to be considered when there isn't 
other alternatives that would uh, satisfactorily address the access needs, which in this case, there, in our opinion at least, there clearly are other suitable and safe alternatives that would address the access needs. So, uh, you know, moving further along, say even if it uh, uh, even remotely addressed any of those criteria, it has to be supported at the local level in, in District 6. It then has to go to Harrisburg, be supported by the central office level, but more critically, it has to go to the Federal Highway Administration. Okay? We can't unilaterally uh, approve an access like that. And I can tell you, based on my many decades of experience, others, and I'm not the only one that has looked at this, um, what's proposed right now, it, I don't think it would make it past the district, let alone Harrisburg, and there is no way Federal Highways would ever even begin to consider uh, that option. So. In a nutshell, that's why that option is not, it's really a non-starter. I, I, I know that's not great news to everybody, but I, I, better that I be honest with you than, uh, you know, not be frank. We go to option two in, in any form. Obviously, the moving it closer to the intersection was a significant improvement, as we saw with the uh, level of service tables, yet it remains a significant degradation to the intersection. Um, but, you know, as I said earlier, we review other factors, as Peter had brought up at the beginning of this meeting. What does it mean to have a fifth leg at that intersection, okay? What are the mechanics? What are the logistics of it, Okay. We have dual left turn lanes coming out of Buck Road. We have dual left turn lanes coming westbound on the bypass. Okay, if you were going to go ahead and create a fifth leg there, it's going to need its own separate phase where the entire intersection stops to let anyone out. Okay, so when a car is coming out of there, and, and we can minimize those phases so it's not, you know, terribly long, but when you're going to go into that access, you have to be specifically in. Uh, for example, on Buck Road, you would have to be in the, the inside left turn lane. And for the westbound bypass, you'd have to be in the outside left turn lane. Or if you try to access that facility and somebody else is next to you, you've got a conflict. You've created a, a weave situation where you could have a crash. So that sets up a, a signing logistical problem. How are we signing for this access? How are we ensuring that these drivers uh, align themselves in the proper lanes. What happens when they have company, people unfamiliar with the area? <clears throat> so not only is it uh, a very significant degradation to the intersection operation, it's also a tremendous safety concern with trying to, to access that thing, especially coming into it. So that, you know, that's one, that's the main reason why we're, not in favor of the, the fifth leg option, even though the, the closer alignment does show some improvement over the, uh, the original proposal. The option three was to allow full access and do this do not block the box, um, as well as do the U-turn. The idea there, I suppose, was to reduce the, the volumes uh, that would exercise the option of using the U-turn 
What we have found is that those do not block the box pavement markings are highly ineffective when you're talking about a multiple lane facility. Okay, we're going to have two northbound right turn lanes, we have two northbound left turn lanes, and we have a through lane. So we have five lanes of traffic that we're telling you can't go in this Xbox uh, marked area here. The level of compliance with that is is probably not going to be very high. Um, when vehicles are seeking to come out there, as Chris said, it's about 130 feet from the bypass to the uh, existing access location. So we have cars coming around the corner, making the dual left, uh, looking to come in, and vehicles coming out. Meanwhile, I have cars coming northbound on Buck Road that are looking to make a left into the site. So now I'm going to introduce a left out of the site. That's the whole reason why in the first place we felt that that was a bad idea to allow those lefts. And we, we right from the get-go, and Jason and Chris will tell you this, right from the back, we said there's no way you can do lefts out of here. It's just not safe. There's just no way. Plus, as you can see from those vehicle cues, most of the time, there's going to be vehicles in those lanes, uh, making it very difficult for cars to, they're going to essentially need a courtesy gap, not only across, you know, to get into the through lanes, but they got to cross two left turn lanes just to get into the through lane. And then if they want to make a right, that's even more lanes they got to get over. So that's why option three is kind of a, a no-go for us. Option four, look, I don't think it's the greatest thing in the world. I, I really don't. But... I do know that it's going to operate safely because when you go down to make that U-turn, the way that signal is going to be set up is when that left turn lane southbound and on Buck is allowed to go, nobody else is going to be allowed to go. The Northtown, North, except northbound Buck Road, they will be able to turn into Mill Pond, and then you'll be able to make a left southbound, I guess that's into Sycamore, or make this U-turn. You can't make rights on red coming out of either roadway. And they're adjusting the geometry so the turn is readily and easily made. So when those cars move, nobody else can possibly hit them. It's physically impossible because no one else is allowed to move. So when I, in total, when I look at this and I look at none of this is great, but when I look at this and I have that alternative, completely rules out any access to the bypass. I look at the severe degradations and safety issues with the fifth leg going in at the intersection. I compare that to what we view as a completely protected and safe move with this U-turn at the intersection. Every day and twice on Sundays, we're going to go with the U-turn. Now, all of that being said, if this is truly, truly a concern, the volumes we're talking about here, this is 49 houses. There's not a lot of volumes. The maximum peak number of U-turns is projected to be 25 over the period of one hour. And it's far less than that in the other peak hour. And on any given off-peak hour, you're talking single digits of vehicles that are actually doing this thing. This is just not a big development, you know, as things go. Our preference from the beginning, and still is, for you, and I know you're not going to like this, but we would like you to reconsider providing access to Mill Pond Road, which we look at. We look at its design. It's basically a collector road. There's not a single residence that fronts on Mill Pond Road. 
All of the other roads come off of Mill Ponds. They're local streets, many of them cul-de-sacs, as they should be. This traffic would come out on Mill Pond, be able to access that signal. We could eliminate this whole turn scenario. Problem solved. There's literally no safety issue. And the, the noticeable traffic to the communities will be barely perceptible because we're talking in most hours of the day, two, three vehicles. You'll never even notice it. That's my evaluation of all the alternatives. That, that is our position. This is why PennDOT is of the opinion and of our current position. I'll take any questions you may have. And thank you for allowing me to present that. Fran, uh, it's Pete. Just uh, a couple of questions for clarity, I guess. Um, on alternative four, I think one of the concerns I totally agree with you about the intersection itself for, for passenger vehicles. If once a car can actually get to the lane to make a left turn and ultimately a U-turn to go northbound, a protected uh, turn is, you know, golden, right? Nothing better than that. Um, I think the biggest concern that people have had relative to uh, it, it's the same issue that I think you have on uh, alternative to Charlie with, or any alternative to, I guess, with the people going westbound on the bypass to Buck Road and somebody trying to get into the service road is that if somebody, uh, for somebody to get out of the service road and get over to that left lane during most times of the day uh, when there's traffic, because there's not really very often where there's gaps in traffic um, during the different light cycles. And um, for somebody to get out of the service road, make the right, and get across the lanes of traffic uh, and over to Mill Pond, uh, the intersection of Mill Pond to that left turn lane to, to make a U-turn, is a uh, is that's where the concerns are that that's going to be a really challenging maneuver. Um, and I and I didn't really think about it until you said it on uh, westbound 332, 413, or whatever to southbound that if somebody's kind of on the inside left turn lane and says, oh, I want to turn into uh, Arcadia, and somebody is next to them in the right, uh, you know, the out, outside uh, left turn lane, that potentially they're going to cut them off or something trying to get in there. I understand what you're saying about that now. I didn't really think of that one before. Um, but I think the same argument could be made about volumes of how many people would actually be doing that and how many of them would be in the wrong lane if you had the, uh, the the lines painted properly on the roads like you do in those dual turn situations. And, um, you know, that uh, situation I think is probably even, maybe it's not, um, compared to the same maneuver for people trying to get out and across the traffic to, to uh, that left protected left turn lane making the U-turn an alternative for. So that, that's... I was just, uh, I guess that was my reaction, both of those. I think, you know, Mill Pond, um, I, I, would, I would give you that from a purely objective perspective, access to Mill Pond is certainly the uh, best from a traffic flow and safety. But just like uh, breaking the, the uh, limited access um, criteria is a non-starter for PennDOT, I think, for the residents of the people that live in that community. Um, it's a non-starter for those reasons when, when at least it's perceived that there's other workable 
options that would be safer than just the, uh, you know, the right turnout or the box, the block the box, which I agree should be a, you know, don't block the box, which should be a non-starter. Um, so that's just my comment. Peter, let me address the, uh, what you're talking about is you're making a right out and then you have to weave over to get into the left turn lane. Uh, one, one thing I will say is there is 500 feet between that right turn and the beginning of the left turn lane. And then the left turn lane itself is, oh, that's close to, left turn lane itself is 200 feet long. So you have close to 700 feet to get over there. You're only crossing two lanes. Um, making that right out, what, what happens is the signal at the intersection with the bypass is going to create some gaps, okay, in and of itself. And by the way, part of the traffic study does evaluate uh, the various gaps. I think I had mentioned that before is one of the criteria we look at. I think perhaps in response to uh, Dennis, I had discussed that. Um, there are actually uh, a good amount of extra gaps, and, and I'm not saying this road isn't busy, and I'm not trying to pretend there's it's magically open all the time. I know it's not. What I'm saying is there's not a lot of traffic coming out of this development because it's not very big. And, you know, for two cars an hour to, to make that right and get out of there, especially during off-peak hours and come over and get into that lane, it's just not going to be very hard at all to do. Now, in the peak hour, it's going to be a little more challenging, but the numbers still show that it works. And, and one other thing about um, levels of service, poor performance at an intersection can in itself lead to safety issues. You know, we talked about before with uh, alternating cycles, that sort of thing, where people, human nature starts to kick in. I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. What the heck is going on here? Okay? So that starts to uh, subconsciously uh, have people go into making poor decisions uh, and having some bad behavior. So. You know, when we can get better levels of service swings, and I got to tell you, some of the differences between some of the option two alternatives and the option four alternatives are upwards of 60, 70, 80 seconds in difference between the degradation versus the improvement we can get uh, in the operations. You know, that's, that's significant. That's a lot of time. That's over a minute difference. A minute doesn't seem like a long time, but I'll tell you what, when you're sitting in the traffic light for an extra minute, it sure does. So that, that's some of the uh, thinking that goes into to our decisions here. Could I just ask a question uh, that came up at our Board of Supervisors meeting? Uh, we've often had discussions on what is a restricted access and not restricted on the bypass. And there is one place I pass every day on the bypass down by Lindenhurst Road, and I think it's a, a parking lot to a big uh, banking building, office building. Uh, it's not a development. It has uh, exit from the parking lot into um, uh, the bypass. And uh, the speed limit there is also 55 miles per hour. How is that permitted, whereas uh, this option that we're talking about here is is more dangerous? 
And and I had anticipated that that would uh, likely come up. Um, I know the location you're talking about, and that is actually designated Brandywine Boulevard. I don't know if it's a public road or not, but I do know that it provides a connection between Lindenhurst and the Newtown Bypass. Now, I apologize. I don't know the origin of it uh, or, or, you know, how or when exactly it got approved. But just taking a look at it, it appears to at least satisfy one of the criteria that is uh, contained in the uh, the uh, Chapter 10 of the Motor Vehicle Publication, whereas it creates a connection between two public roads. Um, in this case, and Dennis, I apologize if I wasn't clear. There is, I, I don't, I can't even start to consider the breaking of the limited access because it simply doesn't meet or come even close to meeting any of those eight criteria that are required to begin considering a break in limited access here. So I apologize if I wasn't clear on that. Uh, and, and John, I, I, I think that's the best explanation I can provide for that, but I, I understand it's incomplete.